welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. just so amazing for you at home uh, as much as it was for us here in the studio uh, man I just love that we get to worship together even though we're we're on a screen we're not physically present we are worshiping together in spirit and in truth does not matter where we are right now we're joining with the Saints and praising the name of Jesus and I'm so glad we got to do that this morning uh, we're in this series this month uh, where we're talking about our vision we're going through uh, our, our vision of the Kingdom Disciple Society Church is our DNA, and we are connecting that with it, uh, discovering our identity in Christ, discovering our destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. And last, last week, we talked about that discipleship destiny. The week before, we talked about our kingdom identity and how those are the same for all of us. We all share that kingdom identity. We all share that discipleship destiny. And today and next week, we're going to talk about how we live that out in society, how we influence, what our societal influence as followers of Jesus looks like. And guys, I know for all of us, we know that we're supposed to influence society. But the how is what we need to grab a hold of. So uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to kick it off with a question uh, for you guys to populate the feed with. want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, what's something you're not very good at that you wish you were? So what's something you're not very good at that you wish you were good at? Uh, for me, uh, it's basically just rhythm. Like, I wish I could sing and clap at the same time. Like, I wish I had some semblance of rhythm in my life. Uh, I wish that I could, I could do musical things. Uh, maybe if I spent years and years and years doing it, I could get a little there. But uh, rhythm is just something I've never been very good at, but I wish, but I, wish I was. Uh, so yeah, populate the feed. Let me hear what, what you guys have to say on this. What's something you're not very good at that you wish you were? So let's go to Missy, see what you guys got. Okay, um, yeah, things are, things are starting to come in here. Mine would be singing, and I felt like <laughs> if all the music just died in here while we were worshiping, somebody would be like, oh my gosh, is there like a bird that's dying or something like that? Like, I can't <laughs> sing for anything, but it doesn't stop me from attempting to make a joyful noise. But, all right, we have, um, <laughs> okay, Adam said music, LOL. Um, <laughs> hilarious. Um, Allie says sports. Oh, that, that is another one I could, I could say for myself, so yes. Um, yeah, I kind of thought that's where you were going to go. Singing and sports. Okay. <laughs> no, neither one. Um, Ariel says coding. Um, coding, like yeah. a computer. I, I assume so. Yeah, um, yeah. Unless he's okay. like spy coding or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe he um, wants to be a hacker. Maybe that's his like secret dream. <laughs> uh, Ryan says cooking. Cooking. Yeah, yeah. that's. That, that, yeah, that'd be a good thing to be good at. Yeah, you can learn, you know, a lot of these things you can learn. Um, yeah, that, that's an easier one to learn. Yeah. That's an, yeah. then, I feel like you're either born with rhythm or you're not. You're born yeah. with, like, sports abilities. Yeah, you've tried on the rhythm thing. Your athletic abilities or you're not. It's not, it's not going uh, well for you. Um, <laughs> um, Ali says playing the drums. 
Oh, um, cool. I know. Chandler inspires me every time. Yeah, I always thought that'd be cool, but I think you need a little bit of rhythm yeah, for that. Yeah, you do. Um, Cindy says songwriting. Um, Grace oh, wow. says basketball. Basketball. <laughs> yep. That's, yep. Well, That's great. Where is this Grace Lee? I don't. I, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Didn't say, um, but I'm sure. I mean, Grace would need to maybe, you know, <laughs> Some grow a little bit. Height. Wouldn't more, but yeah. you know, it's all good. It's all good. Um, you don't have to dunk it. Um, Josh says 99 percent of sports. <laughs> I want to know what's, what's that. What's that one percent, Josh? 1% <laughs> Love that. Nice. Um, oh, Shang says singing. I'm not alone. Yes, look. The whole um David Sierra, they're all their family. They say singing. All of them. Oh really? <laughs> A lot of people said singing. Jonathan too. I'm feeling so much and sad. Jonathan. Jonathan could sing. Jonathan Richie? Yeah. Oh yeah. Didn't didn't you used to be in a band? He did. Yes. Come on yes. now. Yeah. As the singer. <laughs> and um, lead guitarist, yes. Okay. Laura says communicating, especially public speaking. Okay, yeah. You guys yep. know public speaking That's is amazing. the number one fear of adults. It's true. So um, I'm yeah. sure a lot of you guys out there would. Well, you may yeah. wish you were good at it. You may not want to do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> true, true. There's a difference there, yep. yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Archie says memorizing things. Oh, cool. Um, Jeff yeah. said cardio. <laughs> Who said that? Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> I actually, I love that. I, um, I would agree with that. Um, <laughs> I wish I was better at cardio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Archie's great. That's something Archie is, is great at, and I wish I, I could keep up with Archie in that. Um, Jamie says cleaning and being tidy. She says 2021's my year. I'm working and Dave on it. says amen. Uh, yeah, Dave. Yeah, where's your Dave? Amen. <laughs> um, Anna says time management. Uh, uh, that's a good one to want to improve. Peter says dancing. Yeah, dance. Yeah, dancing. that's that's Just kind of dancing. that's kind of what I'm getting at with rhythm. For with, going yep. back to Peter. Yep. Um, yeah, dancing. I, I always wish I was a better dancer. Not that it really matters. Uh, <laughs> In, in, in life as much, but yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just wish I was, I was a better dancer. And, and time managing, going back to that one, that's, that's a great one. I think a lot of people would agree with that as well. Totally. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that's something like, like dancing, I, yes. But is that gonna change your, or I guess it could change your life if you're gonna be a dancer. Good. But yeah. time management has so many things that that would actually literally change your life for, for the better yes. um, if we got better at that. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, gosh, wow, there's like a lot more here. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So Daniel said math. That's funny. What? Um, <laughs> just math. Yeah. Math. Man, we got calculators. It's true. Who needs, who needs to be good at math? Any, <laughs> unless you're an accountant. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's yeah, so good. Um, more, yeah. yeah, I love, I love learning this about you guys. This is, this is another question where we can just keep on going down the list. Yeah. Uh, but, but here's the point of this. And uh, because growing up for me, when you talk about rhythm, throwing, dancing, you know, singing, clapping, the, the, those, all the things that go along with rhythm, playing an instrument, um, because I wasn't good at those things, I tended to avoid those situations, right? I tended to not put myself into situations where there's an opportunity for me to look like a fool, for me to look like a failure, for me to uh, showcase my deficiencies, right? So think about that. Um, 
So uh, I never went to a school dance growing up. Um, I uh, never went to a club. Uh, not that I missed out on much. Uh, you know, I think about places, you know, at weddings. When I went to weddings, it was always kind of like, oh, I don't, don't know what to do here. Not, not sure. Everyone looks like they're having fun, but I'm just going to look like a fool. So I would not put myself in situations uh, like that. And the only thing that changed this was being comfortable with my weakness. The only thing that changed this was being comfortable with, because that's what it is, right? It was a deficiency. It was a weakness. Uh, it, was, it was something I lacked. That's what I mean by deficiency. Not that I was like broken because everyone else can dance. Or anything, but I, it was just something I lacked, right? I was, I was deficient in it. And the only thing that changed that was embracing that deficiency rather than trying to hide it and push away or, or avoid it, right? Avoid those situations. But, but rather embracing it and saying, no, like that's a part of me. And I can either keep on trying to push it away or hide it, or I can try to do something about it, or um, I can just be okay with looking like a fool. So that changed things once I started to embrace it instead of be ashamed of it. And the other thing that, that changed this weakness is when I, when I was around somebody who was not deficient in that who was strong in that. So when I met Missy, as you guys know, some of you guys know, Missy grew up as a ballet dancer. She, she was a ballerina. And so she was strong in something that I was weak in. And so when I was out in, at a wedding with her, when I was somewhere where dancing happened with her or somewhere where singing and clapping happened, I felt more comfortable because one, I embraced my own weakness, my own deficiency, but two, now I was around someone who gave me strength because they were strong in it, all right? So when we were out on the dance floor, it's okay because she didn't think I looked like a fool. She just wanted to have fun, and we would just go out there and have fun. And she was strong in there. And guys, that's the thing with influencing society. A lot of us, we know we're supposed to do it. As followers of Jesus, and even not as followers of Jesus, if you're, if you're on, this, on this right now and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a believer in God, you still know that we're supposed to be good people to influence society, right? Like, that's our city. Our city wants that. Our, our, our culture wants that. We're, we want to see good things happen. We want to multiply goodness, right? So you know you're supposed to do that. And there's a part of you that says, uh, I really want to do that, but you may feel deficient in it. You may feel like it's a weakness. And so this morning, what I want to sh show you is not that you should do this, because we all know we should. That's not the point of this morning. The point is, I want to show you how. I want to get you started. In particular, as a follower of Jesus, there's a starting place for you this morning. There's a starting place for me. There's a starting place for us as a church. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, this is your starting place to learn how you were created, how you were supposed to influence, how you're supposed to find your identity in Christ, your destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. So we're going to talk about it this morning through this passage. Again, just like last week, we're not going to go verse by verse. 
you know, as Adam read this morning, it's 21 verses. So we're going to chunk it like we did last week and, and just pick up on some highlights here and there. So for those of you guys who know this passage, who are familiar with certain parts of it, we're not going to deal with every part. You maybe wanted to talk about certain things, but we're not going to deal with that. We're going to really focus on influencing society and see how this kingdom DNA, kingdom, disciple, society, church, is lived out through Acts 1 and 2. And right now we're in the society piece. So he starts off, Luke, the, the author of Acts, starts off by saying, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Okay, let's stop there because this is significant. We can just read over that and say when the day of Pentecost arrived. Well, well what is Pentecost? Well, for us, as Christians, well, we'd say, well, it's the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out and we received the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is poured out on us. And we say, well, that's Pentecost. Uh, almost. Yes, that is Pentecost for us now later in history. But that hasn't happened yet in this passage, in the scriptures. So why are they gathering? They don't know that's going to happen. These are Jewish people gathering for a Jewish holiday, celebrating Pentecost. And Pentecost is, is the Greek word here, penta meaning five. So we're talking about 50 days after something else. 50 days after what? Well, for us as Christians, we'd say 50 days after Easter when Christ resurrected. But again, that commemoration isn't happening yet. So what is this gathering point? What's this, what is this holiday, this holy day, for the Jewish people. What's well, called Shavuot, that's the Hebrew word for it, and they're gathering for Shavuot, which is seven weeks after the Passover. So for us as Christians, we would say where the Pentecost is when the Spirit was poured out 50 days after Christ was crucified and he resurrected, right? 50 days after Easter. And when Christ was crucified, that was the Passover. Well, what is the Passover? Well, the Passover is all the way back in Exodus, and this is why, why the Jews are celebrating this, because all the way back in Exodus, they're celebrating the Passover, which is when uh, they left oppression and bondage and stepped into freedom, when they left Egypt and went into the wilderness on the way to the Promised Land. Okay, that is Passover, and Passover in that happened because um, they, each, each household had to basically sacrifice a lamb, put the blood on the doorpost so the angel of death would pass over their house because they said, we are God's people, right? So that's Passover. That's what that, that is. Jesus died at the end of the week of Passover. He's resurrected. Pentecost happened. But remember, they're gathering to celebrate something, and it's not the spirit being poured out that hasn't happened. They're celebrating something else. Well, what happened 50 days after the Passover happened back in the Old Testament, back in Exodus? Well, what happened was Mount Sinai. What happened was the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law, the giving of the Mosaic Covenant happened. That's Shavuot. So they're gathering to commemorate the giving of the law. They're gathering to commemorate the giving of the Mosaic Covenant. Guys, you understand how significant that is? Because what's about to happen 
is they're in their gathering, they're going to experience a new covenant, the new covenant, the covenant that's going to replace the Mosaic covenant. So they're gathering to commemorate this old covenant, and in place of that, they're receiving the new covenant. This is back in Ezekiel chapter 36. This is God saying, I will put my spirit within you. This is God saying, I'm going to take your heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. This is God saying in Jeremiah 31, I'm going to write my law on the tablets, not of stone, like the Mosaic covenant. I'm going to write my, my law on the tablet of your heart. They're receiving a new covenant. And that's what this is all about. This is all about them receiving the Holy Spirit, a new covenant, a new law, a law not of uh, things that say do or don't, uh, which that law was good. That law is not abolished. Jesus fulfilled that law for us. That law is still good. That law shows us our sin. It shows us our transgressions, right? It was never meant for us to fulfill all those laws. It was meant for us to see our need for this, for a Messiah, for a Savior, for that Messiah's spirit to come dwell in us permanently as followers of Messiah. Guys, how beautiful this is. This, is, this passage here is a, it's the culmination of everything you've been reading, everything we've been studying, everything you've read in the Bible up to this point, this passage, we've been waiting for this passage. We've been waiting for this thing to happen. And that's what's happening right now. And that new law is a law of love and a law of liberty. James says, James says this, uh, Galatians says, this, uh, Paul says this throughout his writings. Uh, it's this law of love and liberty. And you see in verse 6 of this passage uh, as well that uh, there's, a, there's a gathering of the people. Now, back when the Mosaic Covenant was given, back when the Torah was given, back when the law was given to Mount Sinai, there's a scattering of the people. God shows up and the people get frightened. Right? And, they, and they scatter, right? And as Moses is just left, here they, they hear the sound of this rushing wind and they gather. Guys, it's a reversal of what happened. It's, it's what should have happened back then. And now it's actually happening and the nations are gathering. The multitude is gathering. It's not just Jews here. It's proselytes to the faith too. It's those who have, who have basically converted to Judaism. They've gathered. So it's not just ethnic Israel. It is, it is a bunch of people. We see it listed here. It's, it's the, the nations who are gathering. And it's also, a lot of people go and they talk, about, um, they talk about the gift of tongues in here. And yes, tongues is in here. We're not going to talk about it this morning except to say this, this next part. Because what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what Paul focuses on. Uh, we're not going to focus on tongues like, like uh, the Corinthians were in chapter uh, 12 through 13, 14, and 1 Corinthians, he focuses them on prophesying. We're going to focus on that this morning, but I will say this about tongues. Here in this passage, we have to view it with, uh, we have to view the forest. We have to step back a little bit because here what's happening is it's a reversal of the Tower of Babel back in Genesis 11. So Tower of Babel happens, uh, the people scatter, they all have different languages. Here they gather and now they're hearing each other in their own languages, right? So that's, that's the gift of tongues in this passage. Uh, and, and so you have here this tremendous, um, 
reversal, this tremendous, uh, uh, just this new iteration, this new covenant that now they're living in. And it says in verse 12 here, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Like, what is happening? What does this mean? And others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. No, they're not filled with new wine. They're filled with new hearts. That's what this means. They're filled with new blood pumping through their hearts. They're filled with with, uh, just this newness in the Messiah. They are new creations in Christ Jesus. And then Peter in verse 14, he stands up. Standing with the 11, he lifts up his voice. Guys, this is Peter. Remember, Luke wrote Acts. So back in the Gospel of Luke, do you remember the last time we saw Peter, what he was doing? There's two, there's two instances. The very last time we see him, he's heard about the resurrection and he runs to the empty tomb and he, uh, it says he marvels at the emptiness. But he doesn't know what happened. Right? That, that's it. That's all we see. The time before that, the last time we see uh, a bigger account on Peter is right after he denies Jesus three times. He denies him three times. Peter is kind of like in the courtyard and he looks over and his eyes connect with Jesus's eyes. And Jesus is piercing stare at him, glance at him right to his heart makes Peter start weeping. And he just runs out of there. So last two times we see him, he's running. Right? One, he's kind of fleeing the scene of the crime. Uh, and, then, and then the second time he's fleeing to, or he's running to uh, the, the empty tomb. And that's the last time we see Peter. Right? And Peter, the guy who was weak, I mean, you look at the Gospels then, and Peter, Peter looks strong because he says things. But he has no filter, right? He just, he just says things. And most of the time, those, those, those people are the most insecure. And we see that, we see, uh, you can see that through Peter's denial. And Peter, this guy, he stands up and he addresses this multitude. What's different about him? What does this mean? Well, what's changed in Peter? Well, it says here in chapter 17, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. God declares that I, God, will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Guys, the spirit of God is different. The spirit of God has changed him. The spirit of God has made him into something that he wasn't before. It's made him into a new creation. That doesn't mean old Peter is gone, but that means now the spirit has redeemed old Peter. That means now when when Peter just spoke out of turn before, now he speaks in turn with power, right? Where his weakness was before, now he's strong. You see that? He's, he's with somebody who makes up for his deficiency. He's embraced it because we see at the end of John, uh, leading into Acts, that he embraces Jesus' call on his life. He embraces his weakness there. He relies on Christ's strength. And now he's in the fullness of the power of the Spirit of God. Where he's weak, now he's strong because he's in the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who changes things. Guys, when are you going to realize that you have 
everything you need in the Spirit of God. And that you have the same Spirit of God that any spiritual giant that you look up to has. You have the same Spirit of God as Jesus has. You didn't get a lesser spirit. That's, that's blasphemy, actually. You got the same spirit. You got the fullness of the spirit. And if you're not living in that, it's not because you received a lesser spirit. It's because you're quenching him. And so stop doing that. You're quenching the spirit and you're like, stop doing it. Like live in the fullness of the spirit. Embrace your weaknesses and let, let God just send his spirit into you to flow through you so that, yeah, Laura, you can actually stand up and public speak. Yeah, you can actually dance, Peter. Maybe not well, but you can dance in the joy of the spirit, right? And who cares if anyone thinks you're a horrible dancer, right? Like, there's these things that we can do that the, the Spirit gives us power to do because we're not relying on ourselves anymore, right? Because we're not ashamed of our weaknesses because the Spirit can make us strong. And that's what happens to Peter here. And you see here, he says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Guys, two weeks ago, we talked about reframing the gospel. We talked about being Torontonians, two Torontonians, just like Paul is a Jew to Jew, a Greek to Greek. We talked about how do we need to reframe the gospel because people aren't looking for a king anymore. They love the kingdom, but our entry point for the gospel, not that we don't talk about Jesus as king because he is, but our entry point has to change because people don't want a king right now. They don't even want a savior right now. That's not the entry point. Maybe we need to reframe the gospel a bit. We talked about how we should reframe that in what our city needs because our city is lacking relationships right now. Our city is lacking, well, it has been since I've lived here. It's lonely. The social fabric of our, of our society has been tearing apart with, with technology. Um, you know, this, this morning, John, he prayed over us uh, this morning, John sang and, and just talked about how, how we want to influence. People want to be influencers. And a lot of times we, we want to be influencers through social media, you know, on Instagram or, or things like that. You know, that's the influencer language now. Uh, they've hijacked it. Um, and, and we want to influence that way. And, and, uh, and, but, but here's the thing, guys. So much of those, those platforms are, are tearing apart the social fabric of our society, because we don't know how to have relationships anymore. We don't know how to be friends with people. We don't know how to listen to people. We don't know how to converse with people. Not that we need to get rid of technology. Obviously, we're using technology right now. Not that we need to get rid of social media. Obviously, we use that too. But, but it is a tool for relationships, and we become the tool. Uh, and it controls us instead of us controlling it. And, and here, is if we're going to reframe the gospel, we can't just talk about Jesus as, as friend. We can't just talk about Jesus as comforter. We have to live it. We have to show people that he is our everything, that he's our best friend, that we can talk to Jesus like he's right next to us, that, we, that he's with us wherever we go, that he's our comforter, that the Spirit has comforted us. And you see here in this passage when he says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, the question arises, well, how do we do that? How do we influence through the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, you prophesy. And you're like, well, that's not one of my spiritual gifts. Guys, 
That's, that has the potential to be everybody's spiritual gift. It should be your main spiritual gift that you operate in. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says, he says uh, pursue the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire, especially that you may prophesy. Especially you may prophesy. So that's where we're going to focus on that rather than tongues because Paul's kind of pushing inside tongues there. And he says, especially you may prophesy. Focus on that. Why? Because it does three things, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. He says it does three things. It upbuilds. It builds others up. It encourages. It puts boldness and encouragement into other people. And it consoles. It comforts. It consoles. It's there for people. Guys, we should be prophesying. That, that is how we influence society, is we let the Spirit work through us, because that's what Peter's doing here. He's standing up, and he's prophesying over them. You may say, well, well wait a second. Like, what is that? Like, he's, do you mean he's telling the future? No, no, no. I'm not talking about fortune-telling here. Uh, I'm talking about prophesying according to the scriptures. And here's our definition for that. This is coming out of our charisma booklet that uh, we put together as a church of all the spiritual gifts. This is the definition of, of prophesying. It's, a, it's the spiritual capacity to reveal God's what? To reveal God's intimacy. To reveal God's intimacy. He's your friend. He's your comforter. He's your counselor. He's your ever-present help to reveal God's intimacy to other people by receiving a divinely inspired message and delivering it to others, enabling the body of Christ to discern God's leading. You say, well, that's, that's for the church then. That's for the... No, no, guys. When you hear the body of Christ, do not think four walls in a building in a church. I hope you have forgotten that by now because we are on, uh, we're in cyberspace now. We're not in a four-walled building, Right? We, are, we can go anywhere as a church. The body of Christ is everywhere. So you prophesy. Prophesying doesn't just happen in the, in the church building. This happens everywhere to encourage, release, build, console the body of Christ so that we do that to the world. And you prophesy the scriptures. You prophesy this divinely inspired message. This is, this is our main prophetic tool right here, guys. Right? Now, sometimes you receive a word from the Lord that uh, you can prophesy over somebody. But guys, you should always be able to tie it back to this. You should always be able to tie it back to this. Um, if you're prophesying something that has nothing to do with the scriptures, then, then don't listen to it. You're off, right? So um, prophesying, upbuilding, encouraging, consoling, this is, this is the spiritual capacity of all of us. You may say, well, that, that's pretty supernatural to receive a divinely inspired... No, guys, this is... This should be normal for us. Uh, our Christmas booklet goes on to say when you're operating in this gift, what it looks like, uh, and then how to develop in this gift. I'll just read a few of those for you um, so that you can identify this in your own life, hopefully. So when operating in this, in this gift, it, it, uh, it looks like this. You're not afraid to speak out publicly. Uh, so you might say, well, I am afraid. Uh, <laughs> well, wait till we get to where you, how you can grow in it. Uh, you tend to see the needs of the group as a whole more than individually. Guys, Peter's doing all these things in here, by the way. You have a deep conviction of biblical imperatives, and perhaps you occasionally have images, pictures, uh, scripture that, that uh, you give to, to people. And then you're sensitive to the Spirit's voice. And then you can develop in this gift by 
practicing the spiritual disciplines of meditation, journaling, uh, just silence where you're listening to God and his voice, uh, speaking out in smaller groups. So start there, right? Don't, don't start on the, on the corner of uh, Young and Dundas. Uh, start, start in your R3 by exercising that gift of prophecy. Um, learning how to hear God through the scriptures. That's how you grow in this gift. Uh, and then learning how to hear God through your thoughts. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, you have the mind of Christ. You can understand spiritual things. So our default mentality is, is our thoughts should be the thoughts of the Spirit. What is prayer, guys? How do we pray without ceasing? We, we redeem our thoughts. We take our thoughts captive, right? And we give them to the Lord. That's how we hear God, through our thoughts, through our mind. And this is for all followers of Jesus. We're to pursue love. We're to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We're to be hungry for it, guys. And he says here, Sometimes it happens in visions and in dreams. Uh, a few weeks ago, Missy and I were, were um, just talking to the girls, and I don't know how it came up, but Reagan said, uh, she's like, I had, a, I had a dream about Jesus. And I was like, oh, um, like what, what happened? And she's nine now. And so just, we're just talking to her. I said, well, well, what happened? And she said, well, I was outside this big empty building, and I walked into this building, or this big building. She didn't know it was empty, but she walks in, and then she's like, it was empty. And so I got to this one room that was totally empty except for a chair and a person sitting there. Um, and I, I was kind of like freaked out a little bit, <laughs> to be honest. I was like, ugh. Um, but she wasn't scared at all uh, because she felt a warmth in the dream. She felt happiness in the dream. And she was drawn to this chair. And she looks up, and it's this man sitting in this chair uh, with white clothes on, brown shoes, uh, short, short hair, and um, olive skin, she said, and uh, happiness on his face. And he says to her, do you know who I am? And she says, Jesus. And he says, yes. And then he opens his mouth to say something else, and she wakes up. And she's like, no, I want to go back to sleep. And I was like, I was blown away by that. And I said to her, sweetie, I've never had that happen to me before. I've spoken to Jesus in a dream, in a vision. And I was kind of shocked. And I was like, when, when did this happen? She's like, I don't know, a little while ago. And I was like, but when? She's like, well, like when I was six. She's nine now. I was like, wait, how come you never told us about this? And she was like, well, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, really. And in the moment, I thought, I don't want to make this a big deal. Because she just thinks this is normal. She just thinks it's normal for us to talk to Jesus like that. She fully expects it to happen again. She doesn't think anything's abnormal about it. She just thinks, yeah, I'm going to have another vision like that. I'm going to see Jesus again like that. I talk to him during the day like that. Like, 
Why is that any, why is that any different? That I had a dream or a vision about him. I just love that childlike faith. Because guys, this should be normal for us. Peter ends with saying, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That should be normal for us. Prophesying should be normal. Operating in the power of the Spirit should be normal. Seeing signs and wonders should be normal. Having visions and dreams should be normal. People coming to faith in Christ should be normal. All those things are normal in the kingdom. Yes, you're weak. Yes, you're inadequate. Yes, you're unequipped on your own. But we are strong in the spirit. We are together. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We're new creations with new hearts, with new blood pumping through our veins. We have everything we need to influence society. So much so that when Jesus sent out the 72, he didn't send them with provisions. He said, you have everything you need. Don't take your money. Don't take your things of this world. You have everything you need. Just rely on me. Paul is dealing with this reality because he feels weak in his flesh in 2 Corinthians. And he's dealing with this reality and he shares this with the church at Corinth. He says, he says but Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made known in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of, not my strengths, of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Guys, it's, you're not, just admit you're not strong. Just admit that you're weak and let the power of Christ work through you. For the sake of Christ, he says, then I'm content with weakness insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's the power we have in the Spirit. And if you are not a follower of Jesus today, that can be yours. If you're a follower of Jesus today and that isn't yours, you've wasted it. You have the Spirit who is poured out on you. Fall on your face before God and say, God, I am weak. I am nothing without you. I'm only anything through you. Now, Take me as I am and make me into your vessel for your goodness to influence our society, our city, our world for your kingdom's sake. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for this example of Peter uh, who is just empowered by the spirit, who is clothed with your spirit and he just stands up. We're going to see the results of that next week uh, because that's not the end because he says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and we're going to see it happen. We're going to see it come to fruition. And so give us that boldness as a church. Give us that, that boldness to declare your love, your love, liberty, your love, love, this new covenant that you've come to dwell in us and, and show us who we were always made to be. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.